0: Well, hello there and welcome to Reese Rambles episode 22. And this week I'm going to be doing This Week in Restro. That's right, This Week in Restro. It's 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 a play on uh, This Week in Retro, you know, cuz basically uh, it, it If you're not familiar with uh, the This Week in Retro podcast, it's an amazing podcast uh, that covers uh, the week's news in all sorts of uh, retro gaming and retro computing happenings. And they're having a couple of weeks off. So I thought I would try to step into their shoes and um, steal their thunder a little bit and uh, help to maybe fill a little hole in the world of retro news just for just 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 give it a try, you know, just give it a try. It, may, it might be a thing, it might not. People seem to have uh, enjoyed when I've covered this kind of stuff in the past. So uh, yes, a big shout out to uh, Neil, Chris and Dave. I hope you're all doing well and uh, I hope uh, I hope you don't think I'm treading on your toes a bit too much. But anyway, uh, I have a list up in front of me of uh, all of the uh, interesting stories that have caught my attention this week. And the one thing that I, I've very much uh, deliberately avoided is looking at their subreddit, which uh, basically... Um, The way their their podcast works is that uh, people submit stories to their subreddit and then they they basically pick their favourites and kind of the highest upvoted ones. And they're the stories that they cover for the week. Uh, But I think it would be very, very off of me to uh, just go on there and steal all of their submissions and all of their stories. So uh, I'm not a big Reddit user anyway. I, I tend to only go on there if I've got something to submit and then I'll sort of spend two minutes poking around. But other than that, I don't really look at it anyway. Um, So yeah, this is stuff I've kind of spotted on Twitter and uh, and elsewhere. So without further ado, let us dive into the first story from this week. So the first thing I spotted doing the rounds this week that caught my eye comes from Voltar, and uh, if you're not familiar with the name Voltar, he's a uh, quite a famous or perhaps uh, infamous um, console modder. Um, and it, I, won't, I won't go into the details of that, but uh, you can look it up for yourself. He's uh, quite a quite a colourful character, but uh, he he moves in the same circles as uh, as Bob from Retro RGB. Of course, I've been a guest on uh, Retro RGB's podcast, and um, also um, uh, Mike Chi, who developed the Retro Tinker. That kind of stuff. And he develops his own mods and puts out modding tutorials for consoles, uh, video mods and, and, and you know, uh, mod chips and all that kind of stuff. So uh, very active and well-known member of the community with an excellent YouTube channel. And as I say, he develops his own stuff. Now, this, this very latest development concerns the Wii U, the Nintendo Wii U, which of course, was the uh, follow-up to the Nintendo Wii. Now, you might think, well, that's not retro, is it? The the Wii, you know. I, I was in college or university when I had a Wii. That's and, uh, you know the Wii U didn't come out until like. 2012, but um, I think you have to bear in mind that, uh, that there's a lot of people out there who are, you know, uh, driving cars and, and buying houses and, and getting married and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, for who the uh, the Wii would have been their very first console. Um, you know, it, it's a long time ago. I, I hate to say it, but uh, a lot of us are old, and, and stuff that feels like it was yesterday was uh, was a very long time ago. And I don't think we're in a position to uh, gatekeep what other people, uh, you know, are allowed to consider to be uh, retro or not. So I'm going to cover it. Um, so basically, uh, the, the Wii U has a, a bit of an inherent fault with the uh, NAND flash memory in that it's failing. Uh, and this memory w- was used internally in the console to store the operating system and, and various other kind of important core files. And yeah, it's, it's, it's failing due to age. And these consoles are just stopping working. You know, you, you've got a perfectly good console and... Um, Go to turn it on, and it's just completely dead to the world, and it's because the NAND has failed. And it's a bit of a shame because, I mean, the, I mean, the Wii U was a bit of a flop commercially, and I, I, I love a flop, as you probably know. Um, but it, it was also it's also quite a good option for Wii owners because it has a HDMI output and uh, you know various stuff like that. It's, it's fully compatible uh, with all of the original Wii games, and the the innovation that came with the Wii U, uh, kind of over and above the original Wii. Um, was the controller. So it had um, it had like a separate tablet-type controller with the controls at the side, kind of similar to the Switch nowadays. Uh, so you've got the buttons and the D-pad and the uh, analog stick and stuff kind of either side of this screen, and you hold it in your hand, and it basically acts as a, a secondary screen. So, um, you know, still predominantly a, a TV-based games console, but uh, the second screen was used for various interesting uh, bits and bobs like uh, in-game maps and... and you know, extra information, kind of like the second screen on the uh, DS, which of course was around at the same time. And uh, yeah, as I say, it's uh, actually kind of a somewhat desirable console because it has HDMI output, which the uh, original Wii doesn't. So uh, obviously it's compatible with all your uh, new uh, monitors and TVs and things. So anyway, I'm not here to make a case for the Wii U, but uh, anything that can save broken old hardware is very much up my street. So what Voltar has done with this NAND recovery kit is uh, it's, it's basically a solder-in uh, modification, uh, very easy to fit, just a couple of points to solder. And it replaces the internal NAND memory with a microSD interface, so you can... Basically, if you have a Wii U that's still working, you can use this uh, this device to dump the original NAND onto a micro SD card. And if you have one that's dead, um, you can go out and you can find that somewhere uh, on some some kind of uh, grey uh, website, wherever I'm sure it's all out there. And uh, you can drop it onto the card yourself, and you can you can actually bring it back from the dead with this mod. And uh, like I say, it's a relatively simple thing hardware-wise, but uh, really, really important for the the preservation of these consoles. So uh, my hat is off to, uh, to Voltar for, for developing this thing. And it's for sale for uh, $31.80. Bit of a strange price, but um, there you go. Uh, so yeah, only $30 to bring your dead old Wii U back to life. And... Um, yeah, added to his range of uh, excellent console mods. I see he's doing stuff with the uh, with the snares at the minute. He's developing a, a quite quite a revolutionary looking video mod for that, which looks really cool. Uh, just gets like super crispy video output from that. And um, I, I think perhaps most relevant to me is the N64 RGB mod, which uh, is is another video mod for a Nintendo console. And um, yeah, I, I, I installed that or a variant of it. Um, he makes his own version. There are a few different kind of uh, Uh, kind of different variations along the same theme. And I installed one in in my NC64 in in a video very recently and uh, I was really happy with it. So really cool mod. So yes, if you have a Wii U uh, that is dead because of the NAND memory and you want to bring it back to life or perhaps you considered buying one, um, you know, they're, they're really super cheap uh, at the moment. Uh, perhaps because they kind of have this reputation for flailing, failing and being sort of very flaky. Uh, yeah, I, I could recommend this mod, not that I've tried it myself, but... Um, like I say, it uh, come, comes from a good uh, pedigree. So I will link to that anyway uh, in the uh, usual places, and you can go and check it out. But yes, Wii U preservation uh, and rescue, a very noble cause. My next item is an item of clothing, believe it or not. Or, well, shoes. I mean, shoes count as clothing, don't they? Yeah. Or uh, sneakers or trainers. Um, yeah, this is, this is going to get confusing pretty quickly. But, um... Yeah, uh, this was posted by a user called WSTLR, who is a regular over on the RMC Discord server. Uh, Shout out to you. And um, there was a bit of a discussion around it at the time. But of course, as is always the way with Discord, uh, things very quickly moved on. And I wanted to share this because I thought they were really cool. So uh, thank you very much for uh, inadvertently providing me with some content for Reese Rambles this week. Uh, It's very much appreciated. I don't know if you're a listener, um, but there you go. So. This is a listing on the Sotheby's website. Now, you've probably heard of Sotheby's. They are uh, a big auction house known for their fine art auctions and, uh, you know, really high-value uh, fancy stuff. But uh, this isn't an auction. This is this is essentially a buy-it-now. And um, what on earth is it? Well, these are Apple sneakers, or trainers, or shoes. And uh, these are a US size 10.5. And these were made for a, they were actually made as a one-off by a, a company called Omega Sports. And uh, they, they they were sold at. Uh, one event, uh, apparently, which was the na- a National Sales Conference in the 90s, and uh, they don't know how many were, were actually sold uh, at the time, but, um, yeah, produced in incredibly limited numbers. And the cool thing about these is that they are brand new in the original box, and they even come with an alternative set of laces, which are apparently red, although there's no picture of those, which, uh, considering the asking price, you would think uh, you would think would be included. In fact, there's no picture of the box either. Uh, very slack, some of these are very, very slack of you, very lazy of you. Um, no better than a typical eBay seller. But anyway, about these shoes. So they're white. Um, in fact, I'll, I'll read the description off the website for you. So it says, uh, featuring a predominantly white upper, the old school rainbow Apple logo. Remember the old uh, rainbow Apple logo uh, on both the tongue and lateral quarter? Is it a standout detail? Having never reached the general public, this particular pair of sneakers is one of the most obscure in existence and highly coveted on the resale market, which uh, I I can believe. I mean, there's people out there who will spend a lot of money on these kind of highly collectible uh, trainers or sneakers or whatever. And, uh, you know, there there are even modern companies making them who will deliberately produce very limited edition uh, versions for these collectors and they'll keep them pristine in the boxes uh, on the shelves and uh, I guess as a kind of investment. And hey, why not? People collect all sorts of stuff. I mean, I'm sat here surrounded by thousands of pounds worth of, uh, you know, completely pointless old computer equipment. Uh, a lot of which doesn't work. So I'm hardly in a position to uh, judge other people's hobbies. But why not? But of course, uh, these these sneakerheads have have some competition from us retro computing guys uh, this time around. So you better get in there and snap these up pretty quickly if you want them, because uh, this is a hot item. They come with uh, complimentary shipping. Uh, I don't know if that includes international shipping. I would hope so. Uh, But it doesn't include uh, sales taxes and customs duties and that kind of thing. So you just have to watch out for that. And the asking price for these uh, is 50,000 US dollars. So, yes, a pair of uh, incredibly rare limited edition Apple shoes, which were produced for a one-off sales conference in the 90s. Uh, US size at 10.5 and uh, yeah, they're fifty thousand dollars. So if you're interested in those, I would I would jump on them very quickly because uh, they're sure to sell very quickly. And uh, I, I, sh- I should also I should point out that uh, they're not eligible for returns. So um, if you buy them and they don't fit, um, unfortunately, you're not allowed to return them. I'm not quite sure how that works here in the UK because I'm pretty sure the uh, distance selling regulations would uh, would have something to say about that. But there you go. So yeah, Apple trainers from the mid-90s, uh, $50, US dollars I will link to those in the usual place if you're interested, and if you do buy them, let me know down in the comments. So, from shoes to actual retro hardware, and believe it or not, the actual dictionary definition of retro, as in something brand new in the style of something old, uh, rather than the uh, kind of bastardised version of uh, retro that we use in our hobby to refer to actual old stuff, but... um, We've already had one debate so far, which is uh, as to whether the the Wii can be considered retro, uh, so let's not get into the other big uh, raging retro debate as well in uh, in the same episode, um, because ultimately, um, as long as we all know what we're talking about, does it really matter? So yes, moving swiftly on from that uh, minor diversion, uh, this is the Heber Console 8, which was announced uh, just a couple of days ago, and that this, this thing looks really cool, so... Heber in in the world of retro gaming I mean Heber have been around for years and um they are probably the reason they've kind of come into the public eye in recent years is of course because uh, for, because of Neil from RMC and uh, basically they're his landlords for his uh, his new cave uh, museum that he that he's building but um they are an electronics manufacturer and that uh, they have a gaming uh, provenance that goes back years and years uh, making electromechanical stuff and um you know uh, stuff for like fruit machines and gaming machines and then you know like grabber machines and all sorts of stuff really cool stuff and it's all designed and made in the UK as well which is really awesome and most recently of course uh, probably best known for the Mr Multi System which was a fantastic uh console multi multi system console uh built around the around the Mr Project of course but um that's not what we're talking about today we're talking about their very latest project which has literally just dropped uh, and it, as I say it's called the console 8 so what is the console 8 well this this is based around an open source uh, project again uh, and this this is a, a project by a guy called Bernardo Kastrup from uh, the Byte Attic which you probably you may well have seen may well have seen around is he's, he's very uh, prominent and, and very kind of active in the retro community and a couple of years ago, he designed a system called the Aegon Light, which was a uh, it, it's a self-contained Z80, or Z80, but uh, no, we're British here, we're going to stick with Z80. Uh, it's a, a, a Z80-based uh, computer, which boots into BASIC, and it basically works the, the same way as those old computers that we all had sort of back in the 80s, like the BBC Micro and that kind of thing. In fact, it is very much inspired by the BBC Micro, and it, it runs BBC BASIC, which Many people um, consider to be, you know, one of the best versions of, of basic that were around at the time, um, and I certainly wouldn't disagree. And it uses a real Z eighty hardware uh, CPU on there. You know, it's, it's not like an FPGA or, or emulation or anything like that. And the project is completely open source, so there are various different kind of spins and takes on this architecture um, he's put all of the hardware designs and uh, you know schematics and and software and stuff out there as open source which is really really cool and uh, yeah Heber have picked it up and they've made their own consoleized version of it I guess kind of similar to uh, how they did with the Mr. Multi system. so there's a, a vertical stand for this thing and um, it has it has two DE9 uh, joystick ports on the front and it's very much designed for a kind of console, for, for, for kind of a gaming experience. Um, obviously, it still runs BASIC and everything else, and you can still use it as sort of originally intended, as, as per the Aegon Lite. Uh, but I, I, think, uh, I think the angle that they've kind of gone for on this, it's kind of as a, a plug-and-play uh, 8-bit, eighty style games console, which is really cool. And... Um, of course, as is to be expected uh, with Heber, they've designed a really nice 3D printed enclosure for it. Uh, they're one of the best in the business when it comes to 3D printing stuff. So really nice finish, uh, really nice design on that. And yeah, you can you can hook it up to your modern TV with a uh, you know USB keyboard and everything, and you can get on there and you can start hacking about with BASIC and writing your own games. And then you can plug in an Atari compatible uh, nine pin joystick and Play those games, and um, you know all with the, the kind of the, the all of the uh, ease of use and, and accessibility of an eighties uh, system running BASIC, but uh, with all of the kind of nice modern conveniences and reliability uh, and compatibility with uh, you know modern TVs and that kind of stuff as well. So really, really cool project. It looks really awesome. And I was—I hate to admit this—but I was actually offered an Aegon Lite back when they were very first uh, launched, and my channel was still relatively small and um i I followed um I followed the bite attic uh, Bernardo on Twitter for a very long time, and he's followed me, and we, we have had some sort of uh you know uh, have commented on each other's stuff and are aware of each other and um yeah when he was trying to get this thing off the ground, he actually offered one to me, and um i I actually turned it down because I didn't think I could do it justice um I hate accepting stuff just for the sake of accepting stuff to cover it on the channel and particularly if I don't feel qualified to really sort of talk about it so I don't and it, it I kind of regret it but at the time obviously of course it was brand new and there wasn't really any software and stuff and I would have had to have uh, like coded my own stuff on basic it, in basic to kind of show off um you know, the, ca- the capabilities of the system and stuff and um there were just other people out there who were better qualified to do that and when those when those videos kind of started to appear Um, I I was actually quite pleased that I I did turn him down because, um, you know, I I just think they did a a much better job of of showing off kind of what what the whole platform was capable of. But anyway, uh, that's just a personal anecdote. This is is certainly uh, not about me. So if you've kind of been eyeing the uh, Aegon Light ecosystem, uh, from a distance for a while, and, and kind of been uh, pondering uh, whether to sort of get into it, and whether to dabble with it. Uh, yeah, it looks like Heber's uh, console eight would be a very good starting point for that. Um, very much how I was with the Mister. In fact, um, you know, it, it's a project I've been following since the very early days, and there's so many different options out there. And then they just made this thing that was kind of packaged up that uh, was was basically plug and play. And I thought, oh, actually now is the time to get into it and it's certainly not a decision that I regret I mean I play with my uh, multi-system <laughs> all the time and um, yeah it's a really great system uh, so I think I may well be picking up one of these console lates as well and uh, getting into some of the games that have been written for the Aegon Lite platform so uh, yeah I'll probably be doing a video on that at some point And of course, uh, as with everything else covered in this ramble, and I know I've already said this a couple of times, but I'm going to say it every time, uh, that will be linked in the usual places for you to go and check out. And finally, some rather unfortunate news uh, from the world of retro. I'm afraid, uh, and this this I'll go straight into it. This this concerns a website called vintageisthenewold.com, which I'm sure is a domain that you've you've probably seen around and that you're familiar with. And I saw this pop up on Twitter uh, earlier this week, and I, cl- I clicked on it, and. Instantly recognise the website, you know the, the banner at the top and everything. It's a website I've come across plenty of times over the years. Uh, some really great, um, you know, reviews and articles and things uh, covering the world of the world of retro and the world of vintage uh, gaming. Uh, loads of different platforms covered. Uh, started way back in 2011. Now you might think way back in 2011 that's that was like yesterday but uh it was 12 years ago which is a a bloody good run for any blog and um it has grown into uh grown into a team of people and essentially the, the post says and there is there is unfortunately another rather nasty uh, sting in the tail as well which I I can I will also talk about um a bit later on but um Basically, the, the post here from Paolo uh, basically says that um, basically that the funds gone out of running the website. That uh, it, it, you know, in, in in the early days, he um, you know had had a really great community around the site, and people used to kind of uh, respond to stuff, and they'd have uh, regulars and that kind of thing. I mean, I'm kind of reading between the lines here, and he's absolutely made it clear that he's not blaming the community. Um, it, it's just that things have changed over over that span of time. Um, but essentially, the, the engagements kind of dropped right off on the site. They're still getting good, good, you know, clicks and, and views and, and plenty of uh, sort of traffic to the site. People reading the articles. But um, the one thing that he really enjoyed from from running the site is, um, you know, responding to people and uh, and talking to people and, and kind of having that back and forth with the community. And that aspect has, has died off over the years. And it's basically uh, meant that the site's kind of become a bit of a chore for him and, and less of a creative outlet and, and less of a fun thing. And, um yeah just just kind of going through the motions which is is quite a, a common story I think in in the world of sort of creators and and creative stuff and, and writing and um yeah you know if, if you get to the point where the where the fun goes out of it um then uh, then why should you feel obliged to keep putting stuff out there for free so totally understand that you know it's quite quite sad to see one of these big names uh, that's been around for a very long time thrown in the towel but um I suppose it's uh, it's the honourable thing to uh, to to make that this decision and, and make an announcement and, and draw a line under it, and uh, you know move on to uh, hopefully more interesting, and more fun projects. So um, yeah, just uh, obviously wish them all the best for the future. I'm sure uh, I'm sure whatever uh, Paolo and the team come up with uh, will be good. But um, yeah, the, 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 there was also a bit of. Of nastiness as well so um they, they have an annual uh, writing competition where they, they basically ask people to submit articles uh, for the website and uh, it, you know it, it's all a bit of fun but uh, there are prizes available and um you know the the, the prizes aren't, aren't hugely valuable or anything like that but uh, just this sort of a token thing for to recognize people's efforts and um like i say a bit of fun but um after they'd uh, after the, they'd taken the decision to uh, to kind of shut this thing down, um, they announced the the winners of this year's writing competition, and uh, had a, a really nasty email from the person that that came in third, uh, which is absolutely mind-boggling and it, it's absolutely mind boggling, and he's actually posted it here, um, and uh, I don't know if I should read it out. Shall I read it out? I think yeah, let's read it out. So. Uh, the, the person that came in third place has sent this email, and uh, it's, it's censored on here, so I, I shall censor it. Um, and it says, I'm not interested in the prize, mate. Take my story off your website. Go star, star, star yourself and your bias judges too, dot, dot, dot. You let that pretentious moron crapping on about staring at a... Oh, that's 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 not a censored word, uh, title screen and some Aussie pirate beat my story. At least my work was structured like a star 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 story. I know your star 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 was a scam. Remove my story from your piece of star 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 website. Now, obviously, that's someone who's, uh, I mean, you know, they claim they're not interested in the prizes and stuff. But that's crazy. I mean, if you're submitting stuff to a writing competition like this, I presume it's because you have an interest in writing and, and you know, wanting to write articles for websites and magazines and that kind of thing. And winning third place in a competition like this on on you know, such a big and, and well-established website, it, it's quite a it's a prestigious thing, you know, it's something that you should be proud of. And I mean, I don't know who this person is. I haven't read the entries and stuff, but um if that's your attitude you're not going to make it in, in the world of writing i'm sorry but um you know you you have it, it's a community and the world of retro gaming and retro computing you know it's a small community everybody knows each other and um you know getting angry about stupid stuff and um, attacking people personally is uh it, it's not going to get you anywhere i'm afraid so um Hey, but uh, yeah, obviously that's kind of cemented the uh, the decision in their their minds that uh, shutting down the website was the right decision to make, and um, I can't say I blame them. Um, you know, unfortunately, uh, I mean, I, I used to run a, a retro gaming blog years and years ago, which uh, I'm sure is a story I will tell at some point. But um, we used to get all sorts of kind of angry and nasty people, and um, <laughs> it is what it is. But um, you know, it's it's kind of it's hard not to take it personally, and. Uh, Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things. But um, anyway, yeah, part of the story, um, not uh, not part of their decision. Apparently, the decision had already been made. But uh, like I say, just confirmed in their minds that uh, (laughs) it really wasn't a fun thing to be involved with anymore. So, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, this this, uh, post, as you can imagine, does have quite a lot of engagement on it. Uh, It's got 34 responses at the time of uh, reading, at the time of recording. And uh, lots of people um, you know, just uh, kind of marking the passing of the website and, uh, you know, passing on their, their condolences and stuff and, and, and thanking the team for uh, all of their work over the years. So there you go. Not all fun and games as far as the internet is concerned, but uh, something that uh, I wanted to uh, talk about this week. Uh, a, a smarter man than me would have structured this slightly differently and put a positive story at the end, but um, I don't have one for you. I've run out of stuff. So there you go. Anyway, um, I hope you uh, I hope you agree that an attempt has been made to uh, cover for this week in Retro's absence uh, with this week in Restro. Uh, just a bit of fun. Of course, I'm not uh, hoping to uh, take over from them or steal their jobs or anything like that like that but um, perhaps I've filled a little void this week and kept you somewhat entertained with my uh, stories from the retro computing and retro gaming world as always the links will be in the usual places to everything that I've talked about Uh, if you're listening on YouTube the uh, links will be down in the description Uh, if you're listening on your favorite uh, podcast platform they will be in hopefully there's a like a show notes or a description section that you can go to Um, or just google them or don't whatever So that's it. Uh, Go and subscribe to um, Rose Tinted Spectrum. Go go and subscribe to him because he has an excellent channel. I'll link to his channel uh, down in the description. And uh, he does uh, game reviews and and that kind of stuff. But a really funny guy and well worth uh, checking out. So uh, that's my recommendation for this week because, of course, you're already all subscribed to me. So there's not really much point in me asking you to do that. Thank you very much for listening. And uh, yeah, big shout out to the uh, TWIR guys and uh, looking forward to their triumphant return. Bye.